you're listening to this, you're a mortgage professional who's probably wanting to scale your business. After 12 years of being in the trenches as a mortgage pro and nearly 180 interviews with top performing loan officers and mortgage brokers, I've distilled the best ideas, strategies, and tactics into an eight-week program called the $25 million blueprint. If you're wanting to take your business from 10 million a year to 20, or if you want to go from 25 to 50, this is the program that will help you scale. Step by step, we're going to show you exactly what the pros have done so that you can get there too. Go to mortgageblueprint.io to find out more. That's mortgageblueprint.io. I love mortgage brokering, episode 129. Want to rock your mortgage business? Then crank up the volume with your host, Scott Peckford, on I Love Mortgage Brokering. Hey, Broker Nation, Scott Beckford here from I Love Mortgage Brokering. Today on the show, I have Mark Good. Mark is a mortgage broker with DLC based out of Aurelia, Ontario. This is the second time I've had Mark on the show. He's an absolute beast in his how much mortgages he writes, plus he's got other businesses. He has a golf course that he has ownership in. He has a pest control company. He writes 500 loans a year, and he doesn't uh, work, and he's still involved with his kids. It's absolutely crazy. You think... Honestly, you'd be like, how is this even possible? But he uses a team. He uses time blocking and systems. And I really think you're going to enjoy this episode. I know I did. I felt like it was like a little mini coaching call. Me asking Mark how to keep my life sane with all that I have going on. So check out this episode. This episode is sponsored by Pioneer West Acceptance Corp. Pioneer West is a private lender in BC and Alberta. Now, normally when we have a sponsor for the show, it's because I personally use their product or service and I can give them a 100% recommendation. In this case, it's a little different. Since I don't do B deals, I know a lot of my friends think I'm nuts, but I haven't done one in, in several years, I decided to do some background checking on the crew at Pioneer West and found that everyone I talked to said they were fast, down-to-earth, and underwrote deals if they made sense, which is exactly what you're looking for in a B lender. Another cool thing about Pioneer West is they still have money to lend. I know a lot of lenders are running low on cash, not these guys. If you're a broker looking to place a private deal in BC or Alberta, check out Pioneer West Acceptance Corp and tell them you heard about them on I Love Mortgage Brokering. Hey, Mark, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me back. So you're one of probably the most entrepreneurial mortgage brokers I know in terms of you have an extremely busy, successful mortgage practice and you have several other businesses on the side. So I want to dive into like how you do it. And you're also very involved with your kids. And so it's like, do you like do you have a twin brother that kind of does half the work for you or like what's the the secret? So I guess the, the first thing I want to ask about is what is your day like? If you get up in the morning, what does that look like when you start going? I'm, I'm an early riser just because I get quite a bit done, obviously, before, you know, the regular work hours. So I'm usually up around five o'clock in the morning and I basically will get to get to my computer at home and just go through any emails. I can, you know, obviously send those emails back and get to a lot of people before they, you know, they get back to work uh, on it. Um, and then typically I go to the gym, work out at the gym for a little bit uh, for about an hour come home, you know, shower and everything and then get ready and, and head into work. So typically my, you know, my day is, you know, like I said, uh, you know, working before I get into work, I'll work obviously during the day and then uh, I'll head home and then I'll check the emails again at night. But I realized real early that you can't work, you know, 16 hour days for the, your, for your, you know, the rest of your life, you're going to burn out. And I find that uh, you can't be available all those hours either because you, you got to have a, basically a balanced life. You got to balance work, with family and things like that, because if you don't, then something's going to give. So long-term, short-term, when I first started up, yes, you're working quite a few hours, but as you go long-term, you need to basically be able to deviate your hours accordingly so that you can actually handle and, and get everything in. So how many hours do you think you put in a week right now in terms of work? Um, I would say anywhere between, you know, basically I would say at work, probably anywhere between 30 and 50, just depending on the week. Right. And so you have a few other businesses. So how do you manage between 
your so your mortgage practice. Do you mind sharing sort of how that's going this in this last year? Practice has been going real well. We expanded up to a new area. We built another you know office. We and brought on some new uh, agents as well. We'll probably do you know just, like I said, just over five hundred transactions this year. Right, and so you have five. You're doing five hundred mortgage transactions. I know that you have ownership in a golf course. I, I think you told me a pest control company, and now more recently, what's the newest thing that you're into? Well, the newest one is uh, an investment company. We've opened up an investment company to uh, to lend money out uh, short term and things. Uh, where people, you know, are short at the closing or, you know, construct mortgages and things like that as well. Right. And so, okay, because I could, I can imagine that you have to be able to have a good team. And so how do you find good team members? So basically, you know, you're only good as your team. It, you know, basically, uh, you know, I've been fortunate to have wonderful, you know, uh, staff and people that can, you know, that we can work together. Uh, it's very difficult finding good staff for sure. I know there's lots that out there, you know, uh, have great staff. Basically what I did was I didn't grab people from the industry. I find that a lot of people from the industry already have preset, you know, things that they like and things they don't like and maybe have some good habits, maybe have some bad habits. So I actually looked for a quality of person that I'm looking for and then actually chose uh, to bring them on and then actually teach them the skills and the mindset that I need. But basically choosing the people that I can work with. I know they're, you know, that they're in the same thinking that I am. A lot of times I'm choosing local people, uh, people that I know I've known for a long time that I know, you know, that I can get along with and, and work well with them. Okay. So when you say you're looking for a quality, is there, what's the next kind of person that you could see that you're, you're going to look at hiring, I guess, to make this, you know, realistic or practical, what's the next sort of person you'd potentially add to your team and what qualities would you look for in that person? Yeah. And our team's a little bit differently because we don't hire a lot of agents. Uh, we have more support staff. So our, our team is a little bit differently. Our, our next person that we will be hiring on will be a full-time social media and uh, slash marketing. Uh, right now, we have you know an office manager which is doing you know payroll and and uh, things like that. We have another girl that's actually doing all the documentation things like that. We're sourcing out some of the information right now in regards to social media and CRM, but we will bring that in full full time uh, in house. So that'll be the next person that we bring on. Qualities that we look for in a person obviously is you know you want somebody that's you know that's hardworking. You know that's going to be able to get, you know, obviously along with the rest of the staff, um, you know, that people that we think are, you know, generally, you know, just a good, honest, uh, you know, person that's that's out there and wants to learn and wants to grow. Uh, a lot of times, uh, you know, we have people that are, that are, you know, coming into the industry and they, you know, it's easy to teach sometimes somebody that knows nothing than to try and teach somebody that's already knows everything and try and teach them your way. So Re yet retrain them basically. Re retrain them, correct. So a lot of times we'll get somebody with a certain skill, but then we'll bring them into the mortgaging industry and we'll use that skill and teach them the mortgage industry. So because you said you're identifying these people sort of in your network and you're from a smaller community. So you're like, Hey, I've met Sue. She seems like she's great with people. And I think she'd be great part of our team. But so do you have like an interview process or does somebody in your, cause I'm the kind of guy, honestly, that I would hire everybody that comes in my door practically. Cause I'd be like, Oh, you seem nice. You know, they're an ax murderer. And I'm like, but so how do you filter the initial gut reaction? Or are you just to have really good success with just using your sort of your instincts to with that hiring? Typically, like I said, most of the people that we hire, I know. So I know them either in another capacity in the city. Maybe I've worked with them in hockey or lacrosse or I worked on another business that maybe they're closing or maybe that person's kind of outgrown that position. So I basically kind of look around for the person that I'm looking for in other companies that I deal with or know out there. And then, you know, we'll sit down, obviously do an interview. Uh, I actually have my staff interview them as well because we need to make sure that they're going to be getting along with, with everybody. Uh, 
um, you know, in there as well. And we do multiple interviews. Have, okay, sorry to interrupt, but uh, have you ever had like, okay, you interviewed someone, you thought, hey, this person would be great. And then your staff came back and said, hey, we're not like, you know, we may, we see some concerns. Has that ever happened? It, it has happened for sure. And we didn't hire the person. Right. So you're kind of using like the team, you have a great team and you use your team to vet new team members. If I bring them in and I think they're terrific and I bring them in and I interview the team and I get the team to actually interview them and I go and hire them, basically I'm telling the team, it really doesn't matter what you say, I'm going to hire them anyways. That really isn't what I want my team all about. I want them to know that what they say is heard from me and also that it carries some weight. Okay. So another thing that I have a team um, in my businesses and so how do you because I find that sometimes people will come to you with problems all the time. It's like, hey, this is going, there's a fire, like here, check it out. And you're like, how do you equip people or tr- like, what do you do with those situations so that you're not constantly the bottleneck? So sometimes I feel like I'm the bottleneck because everybody has to come to me to say, hey, what do you think of this? And it's like, I want to not be the bottleneck all the time. So how do you do that with these multiple businesses you have? Well, the the bottleneck in regards to the mortgaging industry would come in and we uh, basically I'm I'm empowering each person in their specific area. And basically, you know, you know, we let them know that they're able to make decisions and they're able to make mistakes. And if they make a mistake, I'm going to help them and I'm going to correct them. And then hopefully they won't make that mistake going forward. What I don't want them to do is not be able to make a a decision and come to me with every single decision they want me to make because they're afraid of making this. So we we try to train them that it's okay to make a mistake. It's okay actually to make the decision. If you make the wrong decision, then we'll correct it and we'll do it again next time and we'll do it correctly. But be able to, you know, take on responsibility and ownership of that particular group. So there's certain things that I don't need to be uh, abreast of, you know, somebody's coming in, you know, they're changing their, their void check or something's come in or all of a sudden something's happened where, you know, their debt is a little bit higher. Those are all things that, you know, everyone can handle. And as they've grown and as you, your staff stays with you over the years, they will understand what they can do and what they can't do uh, and what they are allowed to do and not allowed to do. And over the time, it, it grows and more and more and more uh, that they understand that they're okay to make those decisions. I find if you if they make a decision, it's a bad decision, and you scold them or punish them, then they're afraid to make any decisions. Uh, and then they won't make the decision. They'll come to you every time. Right. And then you go back to the bottleneck problem. So have you ever had somebody who was on your team that maybe was constantly coming to you with sort of stuff that you were like, hey, this is kind of your, you know, your side of the field. And how did you what did you do to to either encourage them or did you have to fire them or did you just coach them or what, what do you do in those situations? We, we coach them. I would ask them, OK, in this case, what would you do if I wasn't here today? What would you do? And they start to come up with a solution. I say, okay, great. That's what I suggest you do. And then they kind of realize, okay, I didn't really need to go to him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I found, I, you know, I knew what I was supposed to do. I just wanted to get, you know, hear it from him, from me to get the, you know, the security of it. So, so once they get to that level, uh, and once you ask them, Hey, what would you do in this situation? If I wasn't here today, what's your decision on this one? And nine times a 10 is the right decision. Mm-hmm. Right. And then, okay, what if they, somebody makes a decision and it turns out to be a really bad one and they come to you and say, hey, Mark, you know, I this is what I did and this is how I messed up. Like, what does that conversation look like? So pretend I, I work for you and I totally messed up. So, hey, Mark, I totally messed up. This is what happened. Like, well, how do you handle that? So basically what I do then is we, we try to correct it as quickly as possible. Uh, I work with that person to help me obviously correct that situation. And then basically once it's all in and done and corrected, I tell them that basically maybe this could avoid it if we actually did this or if we did this uh, that way. And that way they kind of know the solution for the next time and they're not being punished for the, you know, the bad decision they made on that one. But they understand that that wasn't a good decision. And the most importantly to me is to commit 
mistake quickly for the client so that obviously it doesn't reap any, any, uh, ill, uh, you know, towards the client. So we want to make sure the client is happy and, uh, and we, we take care of that right away. But I get them to help me with the process so they understand the process and, and going forward and they understand how to, how to make sure that is corrected the next time. So what, last question on team stuff, because I just think teams, it's so important. And especially if you want, if you're kind of doing what you're doing, but so have you ever had to fire somebody on your team? Yes. Unfortunately, yes. They just, you know, they were great at their job. They just weren't a team player. How did you know they weren't a team player? What things did, were the cues that you were like, hey, you're not really thinking team here? Well, you know, when you're, you know, you're busy and you're backed up and, and you know, and, and it's very, very busy time of the month and stuff like that. And people are, you know, skipping lunches and coming in early and staying late and things like that. And that person wasn't. You know, it was like, you know, coming in at nine, taking an hour for lunch every day, leaving right exactly at five o'clock. Doesn't matter if the phone's ringing off the hook or people are coming in the door. So, but very, very good at that, their job, but just not very team oriented at all. Uh, and didn't get along with, you know, some of the other people that we were dealing with. And they would call and say, you know what, you know, we're having some difficulties with one of your employees. And so that we had to obviously correct that and then correcting that, unfortunately, was, was firing. So, uh, we've only fired one person and, and unfortunately that, uh, but we had to do it. And I think if I had to do it over again, I probably would have done a little bit quicker than what I did. I, I tried to, you know, try to retrain and try to do the benefit of the doubt. So how long did it take you to, before you finally were like from like kind of start recognizing there was a problem to, like sort of a couple of months so basically and it was too long i was trying to give them the you know the benefit of the doubt you know trying to you know work through and they had some different excuses you know here and there and i was trying to work through that not just you know drop the axe i wanted to make sure that i gave them a hundred percent because hiring a new person and retraining them is a lot of money and a lot of work so you really want to work with the people that you have to you know and to give every single effort that you can and not only that but in a small town you don't want you know, you turn over a ton of turnover staff as well because it doesn't look good on you as an employer. Obviously, if your if your staff is turning over, they're like, "Yeah, what's going on over there? What's going on over there?" Is it Donald Trump? And you know, you're fired. You know, that whole exactly. So we really, you know, it wasn't a light decision. It wasn't an easy decision by any means. But ultimately, I think it was the right decision. I didn't mean to make this podcast political, so please don't like. Yeah, because I, <laughs> I said Donald Trump, you're fired. So okay, <laughs> obviously, team is important. Another thing is time management. And we were briefly talking about this off before we got online. So how, with all the different, you know, demands on your time and people wanting to meet with you and how do you like manage your time? What, what does that look like? What specifically do you do to keep everything from like kind of blowing up on you? We try to, uh, you know, do as many things up front rather than leaving them to the last minute. So, you know, there shouldn't be a, a you know, a, a mortgage emergency. There shouldn't have so many fires out there. And I think if you do a good job and you do what you need to do, there isn't as many, uh, you know, fires at the end. And that's what our goal is. Our goal is to have everything in and done and fall complete 10 days prior to closing on every single deal. If we don't do that, then we failed for some reason up until that point. So that's our job is to not have these fires. So, you know, so it's not, you know, at the end of the month, we're not running around trying to get everything done and, and you know, running around trying to get a piece of paper from our, our customers to get into uh, to our lenders. So we try to put out as many fires right up front by doing the work up front, not waiting, you know, till the end. But I think, too, is just, you know, having good people around you, being able to delegate, obviously, realizing what's the most important of your time that particular time. There's a lot of people that are self-employed that waste a lot of time. They think they're busy. They make it look like they're busy, but they're actually not busy and they're, and they're wasting a lot of their, you know, their time. Like I said, my best time is, you know, between five o'clock in the morning to nine o'clock. And usually from nine o'clock at, at night to 11 o'clock, I get so much done during that time, which is terrific for me because it's 
totally uninterrupted think time that I can get stuff done. And then just having the ability to have people delegated and sticking to your schedule. Um, you know, you don't schedule yourself so close and back to back. Give your time a little bit of breathing room. So give me an example of that. So, okay, your work day, you go into the office at say nine o'clock. What kind of things are you putting into your calendar? And then like how much time are you kind of, are you, yeah, what does that look like? I guess. Yeah, we're basically, you know, on ours, we have an outlook calendar that we use everything for. So every, everyone in our office has an outlook calendar and everyone has different colors. And mine happens to be purple. So my color goes up on there and they know that when the, if they're booking me for a sign up, I tell them book me for an hour. I don't want anyone in in half an hour because I want an hour. I don't want somebody sitting there waiting in the lobby for me when I'm talking to these people and I want to feel the, you know, the customers being rushed because I'm waiting for another customer. How long does it take that meeting though? Sorry, I'm, I'm an interrupter sometimes. So that you you book an hour, but how long of that time is spent like kind of going through documents and some of the meetings can go, you know, 20 minutes to half hour. Some will go an hour or over an hour. Uh, it really depends if, you know, if they're first time home buyer, how many questions they have. A lot of times, you know, if they bring, you know, their parents in, things like that. So in my practice, we have, I have basically, I'm writing probably 90 to 95% of all deals I actually meet with customers. So of that 500, so okay, let me get this straight. This is like, I'm gobsmacked. So you are doing 500 loans, you're meeting with 90% of those people and you have other businesses and you help coach your kids team, right? Or something you're somehow involved in their sports team as well. Yeah, we do. Uh, I coached, uh, I was a general manager of a junior B lacrosse team. I was a general manager of a junior C hockey team mm-hmm. as well. Um, but I think the whole point there is, is that if I do it right and I do it correctly, I only have to meet with them for one hour. Right. You know, if I, if I do it incorrectly, I might have to meet with them three or four times for five hours. Mm-hmm. So the whole point is having have, having everything correctly and have everything done and do it right the first time and efficient the right time. And that way I don't have to go back. On occasion, something happens and I might have to resubmit to a different lender and I might have to re-meet with them again to re-sign some documentation. But I mean, they already know the process. I already got 90% of the work. So the next time it's much quicker. But if you can eliminate a lot of that going back and forth and having the information correct, you wouldn't believe how much time lenders spend on incorrect information back and forth and back and forth and it wastes not only your time, but their time. And it's very inefficient. So the more efficient you are up front, the full hour that I spend with them, I go through everything in detail. They leave with a whole package, has all the questions that they are going to ask. I have the answers for right in there for them. So that goes a long way for sure. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. And so then what about you said you time block? So how, how well do you protect that time block? So obviously client meetings are, they're going to show up. So you have a meeting, but what about when you time block things that are sort of like you're okay, I'm working on my business or I'm looking at my finances of my business. Like how reg, how, how strict are you about sticking to those time blocks? Uh, I do because a lot of times it might involve other people and I value other people's times. And the last thing I want to do is, you know, have a meeting booked with them and then have to reschedule because, you know, all of a sudden something's come in that's, you know, that we have to deal with because we didn't take care of it earlier. So I try to time block, you know, obviously, and, you know, have my staff obviously adhere to those time blocks for them. So they know not to book me in somebody at three o'clock when I already have another meeting at three clock and it goes fairly well and not only that but i mean it's also nice that you don't have to reschedule these things you know multiple times um so the more you do that the better i think it is for everybody and that way they know i might be doing you know maybe eight nine signups a day you know uh, you know back to back to back to back but 
we get them in, we get them done, and then we then we can move on where we don't have to go back and, and redo it. So everyone has their specific job uh, in here, and I expect them to do you know their job. And I help. Something like Bill Belichick, just do your job. That's what he tells his team. Yeah, yeah. If if everybody does their job, then everybody wins and everybody goes forward, right? It's when somebody is falling down that you need to pick them up and help them for sure. But if everybody does their job, then the, you know the actual you know train moves forward at, at a very efficient pace. Mm-hmm. That's really good. And so, okay, now, because as a guy myself, I have a side business outside of my mortgage business. How much time do you dedicate to sort of these side things that you have going on? And, and, and most of the, you know, the staff is totally aware of, of some of these and they actually help me with, with some of these as well because they realize that, uh, you know, it's obviously it's a, it's a business and we have a number of different businesses. So I spend uh, different, you know, different amounts of time with them. I try to spend more time outside the uh, hours between nine to five doing those. But sometimes it does affect them for sure. But I, you know, basically, uh, you know, uh, schedule that time that I need. If I need a meeting or something uh, that I need to schedule, I, I go ahead and book it. And that's having a good staff that they can actually, you can be gone for a day or two days. You know, I was just speaking across Canada with DLC and it was gone for almost two weeks, you know, doing emails and things at night and on the weekends and things like that. But having a good staff being able to pick you up when you're not there and be able to do those things is crucial. I wouldn't be able to do any of the stuff without the support that I have with my staff for sure and they're you know they're the real true heroes they're able to to help me as i go uh, and they're experts in each of their areas and that's great and that's what really helps me out for sure mm-hmm. i've often thought like a team I, what i like about football if anybody's not a football fan is that everybody plays different positions and their positions based on their skill set their ability and like a kicker is not a center is not a and so it sounds like your business is very much like that you have people that play a position for you and do they stay to their position fairly well or like what, like how do you? Well, they do. We, we have had people that would like to switch positions from one to another. And basically we try to find and, and accommodate as best we can. But we also want to make sure that's in their best skill set as well. So we, we basically, you know, I can't be a master of everything, but I can, you know, obviously oversee and help and, and guide on everything. Um, but I think once you get into your area of your expertise and once you get to know that inside and out, it becomes very easy for you because you're not trying to do everything. You're not trying to do the underwriting. You're not trying to do the paperwork. You're not trying to do the marketing. I'm not a specialist in any of those. So my job is to, you know, guide them and, and feed them all and help them as best I can and come up with new creative ideas and creative, you know, new different things and new marketing things that we can implement. And I sit down with them and say, okay, this is what I'd like to implement. What do you think? What can we do? Here's some software that I heard about. Here's a new program that we could possibly use. And we'll test it and we'll do different things. If it works, we continue on with it. If it doesn't work, then we scrap it and go on to the next idea. Um, I think the biggest idea is that most people don't have a business plan. They don't have a budget. They don't have things like that that you actually need to run a business. And they're, they're not organized. And when you're not organized, it's, it's chaos. When you're very, very busy, you're running around 100 miles an hour. But the problem is when it's slow, you're not bringing any business in because you're not doing the right things. Mm-hmm. And th- those are things that need to be consistent. Like marketing needs to be consistent when you're busy, but also when you're slow. Mm-hmm. So, okay, you mentioned business plan. So what sort of business planning do you have you found to be useful? Well, I, I've created my own business plan uh, based on, you know, where I was going to get, obviously be getting the leads, how many leads I want to do. And I've created a template that I have over year, over year, over year. So I know exactly how many deals I'm doing per month. I have a budget, how many deals I want to do per month versus obviously how much profit per month. And then I can 
track that. So I've been tracking that since like 2001. So I have a good history of where we're at. I also actually break it down per month, then I break it down per week. And I have certain goals for our staff. So they know exactly how many deals that we have to do this week. They know how many deals we have to do that month. When we we reach those goals as a group, we're all rewarded. We go out for dinner. We go, we do this. We go that. Um, you know, we do different things. Um, the other day, you know, uh, we did, we met our goal. Uh, so everybody actually got house coats, <laughs> which is one of the weird things, or we might take everybody out for dinner. We might go to a show, different things. So work as a group, they know the common goal and we work towards it. Right. So you win as a team too. So that's really good. We, yeah, we definitely win as a team. And it's amazing because we've had people say, Oh gosh, we were one deal away from our goal. I'm going to come in on Saturday morning and write this deal because that'll push us over. Things like that, which are things you just can't teach. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's because they got the vision and they understand sort of what, what, what you're doing. Yeah. And we're, and we're all part of it. We all win or we all lose. And, and they understand that it's, it's a group and, uh, and that it really matters. Every, every little deal matters and every, every, uh, every input that they have that can make that happen is, uh, is crucial. So a couple of last questions. Is there anything that's in your calendar? Cause we'll go back to the time for a second. That's scheduled. That's recurring that you do like consistently that you think helps you with your business? I, I definitely sit down with once a week uh, for about an hour, an hour and a half, my marketing girl and come up with new marketing ideas. We talk about implementing do, new different things or we do strategies for the rest of that year. And that's crucial. What we try to do is plan throughout the year. So for instance, in social media, there's certain things that are coming out. Um, you know, obviously there's Christmas, you know, there's Valentine's Day, there's, you know, Halloween, there's different things that are in there. So we can actually put actual uh, information that's going to go out and be sent out and we can actually pre-program them in and time sensitive so that we can sit down and do them so that when they're coming up, we don't have to worry about them. They're already preset. So it's like a goal for the whole year for social media. We know that certain times that we want to do things. Uh, and then we can add in certain other things. Obviously, if something's crucial, obviously the election that just came up or if there's something coming up, obviously the new rules or, hey, the rates are going up. We can actually augment everything else that we're doing and then obviously, you know, filter in something that's brand new. It's just happening that week. But our general contacts throughout the year have been programmed, uh, obviously, throughout the year. I also meet with my accountant every week for uh, an hour to two hours every week to find out where we are, you know, year over year, also where we are to budget, you know, how things are going, what we need to do, what we need to increase, what we need to cut back. And that kind of gives you a flow of, you know, what's happening. How long have you been doing that meeting with the accountant? Uh, Probably five years. And so you literally like, they charge, he probably charges you by the hour, I assume, right? My accountant sits in my office every Wednesday for the full day. In your office for the full day? Correct. Okay. And so then you sit down with him and then say, okay, how are we doing? Actually, I sit down with her. Her. Okay. Sorry. I didn't know why I said him. I apologize. I, I'm getting yeah. just in case you yeah. mess with me here. I'm like, oh my gosh, political. And now they've got gender. Uh, this show is going to get like flamed. But basically we go through a number of different things that we have on the go. Not only obviously with this company, but she actually does all my companies. So she actually sits down in my office for a week. She does payroll for me. She does absolutely uh, everything for us for the every single Wednesday. So she's in my office. So she'll tie everything up with the one company, with the pest control company, with the golf course, with everything she needs. So every Wednesday she sits in my office full time. Right. Brilliant. And that way I can get through everything. And, you know, she knows, hey, he's going to be here Wednesday. I know she's going to be here Wednesday. We get through everything that we need to go through with all the different companies uh, and that we're not, you know, we're not running around. Um, she has full authority to sign on things that she needs to pay. So it's not tying me up on a lot of those things as well. The, yeah, we can put a strategy together for sure. 
Mm-hmm. That's brilliant. I love that. I can't remember where the question is going to be because that that t- I'm totally geeking out about the idea of sitting down with. I have a bookkeeper that kind of manages it for me, but he's really good. He's like not quite an accountant, but he's like super brilliant. So I could see that being useful for what I'm doing with my different businesses to be like, hey, help me stay on track and where you know what what needs to be adjusted. And so I think that'd be good. So is there anything else that any advice that you would give to say mortgage brokers that were trying to build their business and maybe they're struggling with time management, what kind of things, what would you say to them? Well, basically the, you know, the, do what you think is supposed to be giving you the most income first. And I know a lot of people with time management, you know, you see them a lot they, you know, they look busy and they pretend they're busy and stuff like that. You basically, you know, you have to work hard. Uh, when you're first getting in the business, you have to build up a database and, and building up the database takes a little while and, and time. So the, the best thing that you need to do is, is get into a schedule, get into a routine. I see so many people, you know, uh, Tuesday afternoon at three o'clock and they're gone or five, you know, four o'clock on a Friday and they're gone. You need to get into a routine so people know when you're in the office, but also that you can spend time in the office. I know that basically when I first started off, all my calls were in the morning from nine o'clock to 11 o'clock every morning. That's when I used to make all my calls. Uh, I wanted to get back to the people, get back to them very, very early. So I never booked appointments from nine o'clock till 11 o'clock because I wanted to be fresh. I wanted to be up. I didn't want to be tired and I wanted to give my, my best foot forward. And that, you know, that time frame is usually the best time for you. And and basically give your time and, and figure out what is the best possible thing I can be doing today right now to bring in the most profits that I need to do. Is it really, you know, doing this? Is it really filing this? Is it really doing this? Or you know what? Maybe it's prospecting. Maybe I need to pick up the phone and, and call them. Or maybe it's taking out, you know, an existing past client that's actually, you know, got three or four, you know, new referrals that you, you can get. So you just realistically need to think, okay, at this point, what is the best possible thing I can do to bring in the most money I can to this company? And, and that's what you need to do. And most people will do the things they like to do and that they're good at first. And they'll leave the things they don't like to do or not good at till the end. Unfortunately, those things that they don't like to do or not good at is prospecting. And that's what brings them in the most money. So, okay, what are the three things that you think are, bring, you do that bring the most value to your business? Prospecting is for sure. You have to prospect uh, even when, you know, you're bringing, even when you have a huge database, you need to be prospecting the database for sure. And you constantly need to be bringing in new people, new centers of influence, new people that are going to refer to your business. So I might be going to a business luncheon with people that I, I don't know. I sit at a table maybe with people I don't know. I join, I join different business associates, things like that. Or maybe I'm taking um, you know, a realtor out for lunch, things like that. Those are very important things to stay in contact and you know, obviously bring those in. And then your database uh, management, I think, is crucial. I think you need to have a good plan and a good database management to constantly be bringing the clients, obviously, back to you. Uh, and the third thing, I think, is meeting with the clients and talking to the clients and, and talking to them and asking for referrals. So many people are, are afraid to ask for a referral. Every time you sit down and in front of somebody that does a mortgage, you should be asking them, by the way, you know, if you thought my service was very, very valuable, you know, can you refer somebody to me? I don't have billions of dollars like the banks to spend on, on advertisement. Mine's word of mouth. And if you thought I did a really good job, I could, you know, really appreciate you maybe recommending somebody that's maybe looking for a house or maybe, you know, a friend or a family or a colleague that might be looking uh, for a mortgage over the next little while. And those those are the three things I think that would really help, uh, you know, agents out bringing bringing some, uh, you know, obviously some income in for sure. Mm-hmm. Okay. Last question. I said that like a couple of times. Last question. How often do you email your database in a year? How many times do I email my database in a year? Yeah. Like, so because you had said there's some things that are sort of scheduled and then there's some stuff that just comes up. So how often do you think you're 
sending them emails? Well, each client is going to be a little bit differently, but on a, on a general basis, I'm emailing them probably two to three times a month on, on different things. And basically they can, obviously they can click in or click out, but a lot of times we'll get to emails back, you know, saying, thanks very much. I really appreciate that article or thanks very much. I really appreciate that. You don't want to blast them too much. You don't want to do too little. It's very difficult to find the right, the right, uh, soft, you know, soft spot for them. And each person is a little different too. Some people love, you know, getting them, you know, two to three, four times a month. Some people say, Hey, I don't want to talk to you for six months. So you have to find that sweet spot for sure. Right. Some people would say two to three times a month is like crazy town. Cause I know people that say, well, I, we do once a month and people are like, that's too much. And I'm like, well, not if you're sending something interesting, but. Um, you're saying that you're doing two to three times a month and your, your database is like, well, it's obviously working. You're still, you're still in business. Yeah. Yeah. And, and people that maybe say, oh, you know, I mean, uh, you know, we can, we can move, remove them from the database uh, if they feel they're getting too much. Um, or, you know, basically we'll, you know, we'll take notes and we'll remember, okay, you know, take them off of that one. So you can click clients on and off, you know, using the database, you know, with certain different letters that we have out. So we have pre forms that we send out, obviously to, you know, all the customers, but something might come out. Oh, you know, hey, rates are changing. You know, maybe everyone in a, in a fixed rate is going to get this, uh, you know, this article, or maybe everyone in a variable is going to get this article. So, that's why I say two to three times a month, depending on obviously what, uh, you know, what program they're in and, and, you know, what, you know, what type of person that they're at for sure. Right. That's awesome. Well, Mark, hey man, I really appreciate your time. I know you're a busy guy and you've got lots on the go. Thanks for taking your time to be on the show. And uh, hopefully I'll connect with you one of these days at uh, one of these conferences. No problem. Well, take care and I appreciate it. Good luck. Thanks, Mark. Thanks. Thanks for listening. If you like the show, please head on over to iTunes and leave us a review. If you do, you'll get three deals in the next week. Okay, that's not entirely true, but we'd really appreciate it. Also, you can check out everything at ilovemortgagebrokering.com. See you next week.